of the Living Geek. All right, welcome to episode two of Topics. This topic today is fake news. Um, I hate long intros, so I'm going to get right in it. I just want a little bit of programming notes. That is that um, if you are uh, have composed a piece of music or own a piece of music that would you would like to appear on this podcast as an intro or outro or filler or something like that, please hit me up. I'd love to incorporate it. I know what it's like to ask people to work for free, so only do it if, uh, if you're inspired. But um, uh, we could use music, and if I compose it myself, who knows what I'm going to get. So I'm going to get right into it. People I have today are Matt and Marshall. Matt, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Matt. I'm an attorney out of San Jose, California. Nice. And Marshall? My name is Marshall Bringle. I work for a high-tech company, and I have a lot of opinions about politics. Good. Okay, so... um, so there are a couple of things that I want to say before we start off the whole conversation, and that was uh, the thing that the thing that made me think that this was a good topic for a podcast was uh, uh, I'm friends with both of these guys in real life, and I posted something on Facebook, and Marshall commented on one of my posts. He said that um, where do we draw the line between um, you know, fake news and yelling fire in a crowded theater? I was like, that's a really good question. I think I think this is a topic that we should talk about. I think that's something we can explore. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I want to start. But then, you know, so I was doing research and I was like, oh, I remember years ago, I, um, I read that Fox News had gone to court and gotten some ruling that news didn't actually um didn't actually have to be truthful and i was like so i was gonna lead off the podcast with this i was like oh let's do this research to talk you know and talking about um you know something factual and that led to our um the news environment we have today and i go and i look at my twitter feed because i could swear i tweeted it and i can't find it and i google it and the first hit that comes up is Snopes. And I'm like, what the heck? And I go and I look on Snopes. And I'm like, oh, shit. Snopes freaking debunked this. This came out in the, 2008. The, the irony that your setup <laughs> for the fake news was a fake news story. Yes. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, I do all this work to, like, try not to fall for fake news. And here I am. <laughs> this is, like, the premise of the whole – of all my thinking about it was fake news. Um, and you know, I looked at the original website that it appeared on and I'm like, how did I ever fall for this? And it's like, you know, it was 2008. We were all a little more naive then. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, it just goes to prove that, you know, the left has been just as guilty. Well, maybe not just as, but that, that certainly the left can also, um, you know, fall victim to confirmation bias. We'll believe that things are true just because we want them to be. Yes. Um, well, I, I think part of it has to do with both the left and the right prescribing to a game theory idea of politics, right? So that instead of saying we're going to act in a moral way or a way based on some type of ethic, character ethic, or even a personality ethic, for God's sakes, instead they're not doing that. They're saying, how can we win and what's what's the outcome there if you win and you still have compromised every everything that you believe in then what do you have left 
Well, what you have left are the paychecks that you're getting from your corporate masters. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it all comes back to campaign finance. It is exa- and that's money in politics is the number one problem facing America right now. I couldn't agree with you more. There you go. Where was this guy all these years? <laughs> <laughs> I've known you for like, what, 12 years or 15 years? I've never met him, I don't think. Hey, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Well, we shouldn't go around congratulating each other too much. We're going to have to find something to disagree on. (laughs) This is going to be a really boring podcast. (laughs) I have a feeling you will disagree on something. So, um, all right. So, my first question for the both of you is, um, um, what if this whole fake news thing that we're all aware of now, what what if it's not actually new? What if this is just the first that... We all, maybe it's not even the first that society has noticed. Maybe it's just the first that people our age have noticed that fake news is like everywhere. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess I want to get you to clarify what you mean when you say fake news, though. Right. Because the the initial um, uh, definition of the term when it entered the zeitgeist is very different than the way it's bandied about today. But. Today, people say fake news is anything that isn't a hundred percent true, or that that isn't uh, that doesn't comply with my alternative facts, or that d- oh, doesn't match my confirmation bias, or does match only a certain percentage of the population's confirmation bias. But when you're talking about the concept of fake news, we're talking about actually purposefully falsified information like blatantly untrue things that were actually just perpetuated as a part of a cyber warfare campaign. Like, so if you're saying fake news in that definition, then yes, it's definitely a new thing Um, because we have not actually had this connected of a world at any point previous to now in history. And there have never been concerted efforts by bad actors to purposefully manipulate the information sphere the way that we have seen today. So it is a new thing. Okay. Well, I, I mean, in some respects, I, I kind of agree with what he's saying, but at the same time, it's a definition problem. Okay, you know, the term fake news is new, but propaganda, which is essentially fake news, has been around forever. I mean, you can go back to Roman times. You know, you're, they're making shit up just so that they can influence the population. I mean, influencing the population is what fake news is all about, and that's base. This is just propaganda. It's bullshit. But well, it's 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 purposeful disinformation, right? Because the the thing with the the KGB invented this concept that you, it's not about whether or not you're right or they're wrong; it's whether or not um, you can inject enough fud into the zeitgeist that the moderates in the middle who are undecided will actually just stay home. Because right. you, you introduce decision fatigue by trying to overload them with so much constant bullshit that they don't know what to believe and it's not about trying to get them to believe something which is what propaganda does right it's about trying to actually cause them to not make a decision by purposefully muddying the water so so badly and i agree with that but at the same time i think it's it's still propaganda it's just its purpose is different its purpose is not necessarily to say hey you know buy war bonds because of this or that or hey let's go do whatever a government or a leader wants them to do, but it's, you know, to influence the population. Sure. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. So from a historical perspective, sure. Um, I mean, 
fake news is not necessarily a new concept. This that that um, that that the information that you consume could manipulate your opinions. Um, but that's that. I mean, your opinions could be influenced by reading Karl Marx. Your opinions could be right. influenced by reading the Bible. Like that's the way that humans work. Okay, so um, so you brought up some interesting stuff there. Um, the first thing I want to address besides Matt's phone making some noise, um, was that, um, yeah, there are a few different kinds of things now that everyone calls fake news, besides that if it's something they just disagree with. Um, And it it does seem that news that's designed to wear you out is new. Um, In the way that uh, you're talking about, you know, from that people like to say that Russia is engaged in. But there's, you know, there's slanted coverage, um, but on both sides, but, but, yes. but, but you, you know, I, I'm not sure one of the premises here that fake news is designed to wear you out. I don't know if that's necessarily true because I mean, think back to, to the last election, the 2016 election, a lot of the fake news was coming out obviously about Hillary Clinton pr- predominantly. I mean, I'm sure there's fake news stories about Donald Trump also, but Plenty. he created enough of his stupid news that, you know, you didn't really need to make stuff up because it was all more unbelievable than anything someone could dream up, right? But my point is is that it wasn't necessarily designed to get people to not go and vote for her. And, I mean, maybe it had that effect to some respect with moderates, but it was designed to rally his base. I mean, you, you think about some of the stories about the sex trafficking out of the uh, pizzeria that was supposed to be you know, headed up by Hillary Clinton. and I mean, crazy stuff. That was designed to get Trump's base going crazy. So, yeah, I mean, perhaps – I think you guys are right. The part of it is to muddy the waters and, and to disengage certain groups. But part of it is also to rally a fanatical base so you can get a huge turnout of a relatively small population. And since we vote in such small numbers percentage-wise across the country, that can have a huge impact. Yeah, that's a ver- that's a really good point. So that's another – that's another classification, at least for this conversation, I would say, of fake news. Well, um, I, and there's also, I mean, there's there is just the old fashioned convincing people of stuff that isn't true. I mean, um, when I was thinking about um, this topic, the first thing that came to mind was months ago I was listening to a podcast, um, um, uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. If any of you are into that, I love that podcast, and he was talking about the Greek and Persian War. And the Persians were engaging in propaganda using the religions of the time to convince, you know, the local population of different things. And um, it's something that's always, you know, it's something that's always been used um, as a, like, for lack of a better word, as a, a, an aspect of diplomacy, almost. Hearts uh, and minds. Yeah. People are a lot easier to control if they like you. Uh, I mean, the Romans would do the same shit, right? They'd just show up like, hey, look, um, this is ours now. And people would be like, but we've been living here for hundreds of years. And they would be like, do you see these thousands of dudes with swords and spears and shields? This is ours now. And people would be like, but what? And they would be like, it's fine. Just pay your taxes. In fact, those gods that you've been worshiping, just keep worshiping them. But just so you know, you're going to have to change all the names. You're just going to have to just swap out all the proper nouns, but just keep on doing exactly what you were doing and just pay us taxes and everything that you used to own is ours now because of all these soldiers. And people will be like, huh? Well, okay. I guess it's not that bad. 
And that's what we're facing in America is like, I guess it's not that bad. Like you look at the normalization of the shit that's been going on over the last 30 weeks. Like no one is questioning the fact that the president's daughter has an office down the hall from him. Oh, has I, security I'm clearance. This. This, this, this is we're, we're living <laughs> no, in a why, land of lunacy. But why aren't we marching in the streets? Like, why aren't we marching in the streets to the fact I, that to call for fucking Jared Kushner's I, arrest? I think this man is serious. Like, did the I think dude, we're waiting literally for, committed treason? I think we're waiting for the impeachment. I mean, it's going to be maybe two years. But we're just going to sit around and wait. I mean, like, bro, like, but go, I mean, go to South America and watch what happens when people I, just get bloody. Because uh, uh, unless we want to have a coup d'état, I mean, I think we're gonna have to wait a couple of years. And I and I agree with you because I, I, I'm not trying to have a coup d'état. I got a family, man. Like, I, I don't know. And, and that's I don't even own a gun. Right? I don't even own a gun. I own guns. And, and I'm ready. And power to you. That's good but, for you. But I, I should I'm own not a gun. I don't. Revolution. I'm not saying that at all. I am. I'm saying, wait that's a, the funny thing is I'm over here. Like, I'm the most. Wait a couple years. Impeach his ass. <laughs> He's done plenty. We're uh, finding out every day. Uh, well, so, but that's the question, right? Now the question will be: Do we wait? Does the left wait and let the Republicans keep hemorrhaging popularity by trying to somehow support this crazed lunatic that they have had to? Because because they're all afraid of this well, not, this not, this tiny subset. Of the right, this digerati of the right, the so-called alt-right, right, which is really just a bunch of twenty-five, under twenty-five-year-old cis white dudes um, acting out because they don't have friends and all they do is hang out on the internet. Um, it, Seth Abramson just did a great piece on this on Medium about the whole psychology of the alt-right, and uh, it, it actually changed my whole way of thinking about all of them, and it changed my whole way of thinking about this whole Milo Yiannopoulos article that you originally posted, where I yeah. came from. You know, where do you draw that? And that was my comment was originally, right, this article that you posted about Milo, he, uh, his whole thing is to be this uh, agent provocateur, right, and and say stupid things that uh, are really actually very banal, but somehow because uh, a gay Jewish guy said them, um, then somehow it's okay the the tokenism of his identity somehow like makes it okay for a bunch of uh you know antisocial 25 year olds to 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 claim that he's in the right and to 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 take up this banner of like anti-thought policing Uh, and uh, anyway so i i came out to you well so my my comment to you on this concept like so you would posted this thing about milo and the whole concept that his his entire um oeuvre is designed to shock you is designed to provoke outrage amongst the left right and this is the whole thing of the alt-right is is they think that on the left our our need to uh thought police people our need for political correctness our need for safe spaces etc um that they the alt-right claims that this is actually a sickness and is actually um destroying american democracy and so their whole concept is to try to show the absurdity of the supposedly rational left who is demanding all of this um, uh, political correctness by triggering us into act- lashing out at them, right? So they go around saying all of these provocative things and posting memes like hang in there Obama and, and, and just saying outright foolish shit um, that on the surface is completely indistinguishable from plain old fashioned racism, plain old fashioned white supremacism. And if you ask me functionally, are they supremacists? Yes, because pragmatically speaking, they're spewing fucking clan propaganda, but their intention is subtly different. It's actually just to try to point out this kind of 
absurdity of the left trying to control everyone and trying to say you have to be politically correct and you can't go around saying words like retarded and faggot anymore. And on the one hand, I'm a bleeding heart liberal, and I agree, you probably shouldn't be saying those words. They're actually really hurtful, and words change the way that we think about things, and the more we repeat them, the more we think that they're acceptable. But they have a kind of a point that you can't just control the whole inflammation sphere. And so they're purposefully subverting us. And your whole thing with Milo was saying, hey, Milo is trying to provoke all these alt-writers to to go provoke all these uh, left-wingers. And I originally said to you, like, hey, uh, well, that seems like there has to be a line there where you say, this is fire at a crowded theater. This is hate speech. This doesn't actually qualify as protected speech. Um, But... I've kind of changed my tune on that, actually, is what I'm trying to say. Because, like, man, they're just a bunch of shitheads. Like, all right. why should we be giving them so much weight to get triggered by them well, all the time? Well, okay, there, there, so there, there's a lot there. Yeah, so, Matt, do you have something to say to that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I am a Democrat. I'm a registered Democrat. But I'm really a moderate. So I, I do have to say that, you know, your your point that you made a while back. That, <laughs> Sorry. That, no, it's okay. The, the point that you made that, you know, maybe we shouldn't wait two years for this guy to implode because, you know, what what are we going to just, you know, sit around as Democrats and, and let Republicans, you know, cut their own throat, basically. The reality is the Democrats need to develop a platform that's going to be palatable to a greater sphere of Americans. And, and it cannot be, I mean, it's very true that a lot of, hard left people get goaded into these kind of semantic arguments about words and names and all this bullshit. The reality is Bill Clinton won because of the economy. Barack Obama won because the economy was shit. And he said, Hey, I'm something different The you know, the change that we can believe in his slogan from back then was mostly about the economy at that point. Because if we remember in 2008, we were in the shithole. So, I mean, the, the liberals need to kind of get back to an economic message to some extent, but they also have to have a substantive message about what are we going to do as a society? Because so much of the 2016 debate was about things that matter, like Black Lives Matter and you know, basically you know, race relations in America and this and that and bullying and all this stuff. But to a family that doesn't have a job maybe or is underemployed or you know sees a separation between the rich and poor going to the greatest levels in human history democrats have to focus on real issues for people that i mean that's one of the reasons why they lost huge segments of the population i mean the last census had america have was 67% caucasian well you can't just have a platform that doesn't address that 67% addresses all the other minority groups because you will lose you know even if you you know do decently well with caucasian women that means there's about 33 percent of the population that's caucasian men and if you don't have anything for certain areas of the country that they feel that you're talking to them you're going to lose so that's one area but going back to the fire in the theater type of thing i mean there's there's precedent that you can limit that type of speech. You know, if you're if if you're saying that uh, fake news is basically defam- defamatory, it's it's making people uh, look badly and lying about it, and you're doing it maliciously. That's unconstitutional. It's not protected speech. There's laws in every state uh, to say that's illegal. 
here's your lawsuit. You you can't you can't do that. I mean, there's a lot of things okay, that aren't I wanna, protected. I want to get in on that. So how how do we regulate that? What do you, let's talk about that more. How do we regulate fake news? If we're going to regulate fake news, what do you, how are we defining fake news that we're regulating? Well, well, let me throw something out here though. And Matt, to your point, um uh, what you're seeing with the Nazi punching of uh, Richard Spencer, right? Here's a dude who has made his entire career out of po- shit posting, literally just posting random racist shit on the internet until he got famous enough that he started getting interviewed on Fox News. And then, of course, NBC had to start covering him. And before you know it, like everybody knows the name of this fucking 27 year old. Uh, nominally white supremacist dude who really just does it for the lulz. Um, is he really a, is he really a politically committed white supremacist? Well, I think he is now, but I think he wasn't always. And what we're seeing is, okay, now he's been radicalized. Now he's been thrust into the limelight. Now everyone has to hear him spewing hate shit. And well, actually that count, that's fighting words. And when you take a public persona and they issue what can be considered fighting words, and somebody runs up to them on the street and punches them, their First Amendment rights are not being breached, <laughs> okay? You don't get to say, oh, he has well, the fucking right to free speech. Like, yeah, he also has the right to get socked in the fucking jaw but, for but, acting a fool. <laughs> but but, to, but I, I think historically fighting words were not necessarily using racist or inflammatory inflammatory words in a political sense. It was more, you know, you go up to someone and you start talking about, you know, their wife and their mother and their kids and, you know, stuff like that. You know, like th- th- things the interracial inside. couples that are offended when this guy says that black people should well, leave well, America. Right. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> so. but, but see, I mean, there, there's a fine line where when you get into a political discourse, which you kind of enter into when you start talking about someone who mm-hmm. has white supremacist views mm-hmm. and is talking about hating different races, however mm-hmm. much I think they're disgusting and pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of speech is oftentimes protected, but mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's where this is a fine line, which is why these things go to court and they say, okay, well, here's the new precedent for this. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not the, it's not the easiest system, but you know, we always err on the side of saying we're going to be free. We're going to let people say shit. More freedom is more better. I agree with you on that for the aspect. most part, except eh, go ahead. No, I mean, <laughs> it, it, like as a guiding principle, more freedom is more better. Until you reach these edge cases where you have to say, well, uh, except it's really not okay for you to haul off and call people a nigger, right? That's not okay. You can't say that. I just said that word, but you're not supposed to say that word. You can't say that word. Okay, so what should happen to someone if they say that? Well, uh, if we were on uh, real radio, you would get fined. (laughs) Well, whoever owned a a broadcast would. Okay. we're getting way off topic here, but you know, using racial slurs. I mean, th- th- these are things that should be protected. The only reason it's not allowed on on public airways is because of you know the traditional rules about how these things enter into people's homes, and the courts have set precedent for that. But you know, it this is a whole different thing from fake news, though. And, and I, I think going back to fake news, it, it's it's parallel to fake news. That's why I'm letting you guys hang out here but okay keep but, talking but I, I mean if we're talking about how we're going to regulate fake news i mean the the government can do things to open up litigation so that it's not just hillary clinton having standing to sue all these little entities but perhaps the government can say something like okay you're a consumer of this news you're a voter these people are trying to purposefully influence the election you have standing to sue them for influencing the election. 
So you can you can change the you can change who has standing in these cases. Typically, defamation the people who have standing are the people who are defamed. So and there's I, you know I don't know if you guys a lot of people don't know this, but there's different levels who, of who can sue and for what. If it's me and you and it's a private matter, we can sue pretty easily if someone you know publicizes something that's totally fake about us for for defamation. But if it's Hillary Clinton and it's a public matter, say it's her emails, she has to show that they use malice. To do it, so it's a much higher standard. Well, you know, if you open it up, so it's just not Hillary Clinton being able to sue, but it's you know, groups that represent voters or voting blocks or the Democratic Party or you know, whole groups of people. And I mean, granted, you can still keep the threshold high that they use malice in doing this, so that we don't limit the the way journalists can go after and try to publish stories, so they're afraid to publish stories for fear of being sued by the Republican National Committee or something like that. But if you keep which this, is going to happen. Which would happen, right? So, you know, I'm not advocating what Donald Trump wants to do, which is just being letting him alone sue every journalist that says something they don't like. But if people are using malice, which these people clearly are when you publish something that's fake and it's fake for the purpose of influence election, you can sue them. And then you can work in conjunction with Facebook and Google and all these people that get the news out. To shut these things down more easily. So you're suggesting that we bring a class action lawsuit against black hats that may or may not actually be real people that are employed by Russian state agencies? But see, here, here's, here's – Is that what you're actually no, suggesting? No, our no, legal Our legal recourse but, for regulating fake see, news is to th- sue th- Russian hackers. Th- th- no, not at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounded like you said. But th- 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 that's an important <laughs> point though. But see – most of these stories gain more traction than not when they enter the mainstream media. Like, for instance, that story that just came out that Sean Hannity, the piece of shit of all pieces of shit, was still publicizing a week after it was disproven, which was one of Hillary Clinton's uh, aides that got murdered. The DNC guy. Uh, right. Sean – no, 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 not Sean Hannity. Um, you're going to make me think of um... – the Mitchell? DNC guy that was supposed- Mitchell? No, 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 no. Like the DNC um, aide that was supposedly killed because right. he had the information about Pizzagate. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that whole thing was disproved, and Sean Hannity continued to speak about it and basically broadcast out on Fox News for ten days after it was disproven. Well, his family is, I believe, now suing. But I mean, that's something that sh- should be litigated. That type of stuff, if you. Give more and more people the ability to sue for that and let them have standing because – I mean granted that's not something that is necessarily applicable here because it's post-election. But if it was pre-election, I think you could say voting groups could have standing on that because okay. that, that's something that would influence election. OK, OK. So uh, I'm curious about where this is going. So you're saying that in the lead-up to an election, you know, during – you know, while everyone's trying to decide who they're going to vote for and in primaries and stuff um, – if someone publishes fake news, we we should be able to give like groups of people who are essentially reading this fake news and being influenced by it the ability to sue these publishers. Is that what? Well, I I mean I'm saying I'm not even advocating for that. I'm saying people are looking for solutions. Obviously, the first solutions are to doing what people are doing now, which is working with Facebook and providers of this content to get this shit off of the the mainstream airways. But when people like Sean Hannity. Is uh, publicizing this and spreading these misinformation campaigns along with all these other subgroups. Yeah, he should be liable, and he should be liable not just by the people who are actually damaged by it, but he should be liable by other groups too. If 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 these things are intended 
or are consequentially influencing elections. And I'm saying this is another avenue that you can go down. And more than anything, it would be prophylactic so that people would say, hey, we probably shouldn't be talking about this bullshit story we know is false and keep publicizing it for political purposes, which Sean Hannity clearly does. Because, I mean, it would be something that would dissuade people from doing that. Now, would it stop them completely? No, not until they got a couple million dollar lawsuit. But then, so, so the Black Lives Matter people should sue Steve Bannon for publishing overtly racist, pro-lynching articles on Breitbart. But is that fake news? I mean, you, you would also— It's you, clearly you, fake news! But, but you, there you, is no way that the crime stats that Dr- Donald Trump tweeted about black-on-black crime are not fake news. Okay, you, you, you know— he, And he copied and, that shit from Breitbart. Because Steve Bannon said tweet this shit because we know that alt-righters will go crazy for it. There is no way that's not fake news. In that okay, in that respect, you're right because I wasn't I wasn't sure what you were exactly referring to. But if you're just going to go out there and be a racist piece of shit, then no, you're you know you can be a racist piece of shit all you want. That's not defamatory. It's not defamatory to a certain group. Wait a minute, hang on one second. How is black on black crime not how how are fake stats about black on black crime not defamatory? Okay. In terms of the legal definition of def- defamation, okay, okay, you're not defaming you as a black person in terms of your own person. I mean, th- this it's just that's just fake news. But you just pointed out that you should we should open it up so that uh, we just point you just pointed out that we should open it up such that citizen voting groups, uh, uh, if you will, political action committees uh, could sue particular people, right. Uh, on behalf of the group who had been defamed, right? So, no, 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 I, so, no. <laughs> so BLM should form a pack the, 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 this and is, go sue the, the shit the, out of Breitbart. This is not. This That's is what not you how. Just told me. This is not how defamation works. Though. I, I'm saying that defamation itself is. I'm defaming certain individuals or certain groups or. And uh, in, in when I say groups, I'm talking about like corporations or things like that. Right, the, who the, have the, lots of money because well, organizations of some kind. Organizations of some sort. Like Black you know, Lives you, you, Matter. You, well, Black Lives Matter being an organization, yeah. Yeah, in so. That, in that respect. But <laughs> but, but Bl- Black Lives Matter is not necessarily a corporation that I think you can sue at this point. I'm not really certain about that. But I mean, here's my thing, Matt. Would you take that case? No, probably not. You wouldn't try to litigate Black I mean, Lives it, Matter versus Breitbart. It, it depends on what the facts of the case are. I just told you what the facts of the case are. Okay. Yeah, I mean, th- would th- you th- take this that guy's, case? This guy's going down the fake news, you know, okay, wormhole well, right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> would well, you there's, take that case? Okay, so there are a couple. There are a couple. <laughs> okay, there are a couple things to consider about this. One is that, um, um, what what about the people who believe the fake news? Okay, so say say we're say we're saying okay, you there are people in certain circumstances that they can sue the purveyors of fake news. What about? Um, when we're looking at the repercussions of all this, of a, assume we allow this to happen. The people who believe the fake news are going to think we're thought police, are they not? Yes. Well, I, and we are. I, and what Matt's saying is we should be. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> no, absolutely not a, what I'm actually, saying. Actually, Matt all. was outlining a way to do it. He wasn't necessarily <laughs> saying we should do that. I just and, and, and I, I, I think for clarification, it's important to to say that. All I was advocating is that a possible solution is to change who has standing to bring a defamation case. I'm not saying that we should expand the definition and the elements of what constitutes a defamation case. So huh. let's Fair just enough. let's just keep that Fair as enough. it is. No, no, but I, agree. I I know a lot of people that can consume 
you know, large quantities of right wing fake news, and you you can't you can't argue with them. But you know, I, when you say you can't argue with them, you mean that arguing with them is fruitless. It doesn't change their mind. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can say there's. I mean, I know people that still believe that there were mass there there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and they do not believe that they weren't there. I mean, I swear to God, you, you, you can say. George W. Bush said, you know, they weren't there. Colin Powell later said they weren't there. And their response to that will be, well, they're lying because they have to. They know they're there. And, you know, there's people you just can't argue with. And then those are the people that are going to vote the way they vote. But, I mean, we have to focus on the people that are actually influenced by this bullshit Mm -hmm. and are influenceable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, I just saw a great uh, Matt Taibbi in Rolling Stone just published a great article, and you had mentioned something similar to it earlier. Like the thing is that the Democrats have to get off of this, off their high horse, and they have to get off of this concept of like we're just the party that's anti-Republican. We're just the party that thinks that it sucks that corporations are in charge of stuff, right? Uh, as much as the left is supposedly the party of the people, is supposedly the pro-workers' rights, pro-citizens' rights, pro the everyday person in America, all the left campaigns on in the last four years, five years is we're against shitty corporate people. And that's actually way too easy to prove the fact that like, well, but you can't really be because you just have other shitty corporations paying you to say that. Right. And that's your point. And, and Matt Taibbi was talking about in this article, the Democrats have to change the way that they think because it's not, really about trying to convince the right wing to come to the left wing it's actually about trying to reach moderates because the biggest percentage of voters in america are the people who don't vote who are undecided who haven't registered to vote who haven't registered democrat or republican who are just kind of in the middle who are just trying to get by and what you saw is that actually those people turned out more than they have in the last three elections to vote for Donald Trump. Right. Well, because that dude went down to them and said what they wanted to hear. Well, I, I think one of the things you saw in this last election, too, is something that's been going on for a decade and a half or maybe 20 years since – really since Bill Clinton, which is the Democratic Party has abandoned the working class in terms of their rhetoric and their platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you had – Bill Clinton out there in 92 and 96 saying, I feel your pain and you know, the the whole stick, but he really did. And he tried to create programs and things that he thought, you know, I mean, everyone can argue the free trade agreement thing, but he tried, was trying to do things that was going to help the lives of American workers. And you can look at the economy and you can look at the, the, the separation between rich and poor during his tenure as president versus what it's been since. And you can see that he did a pretty decent job economically regardless of what people think about him morally but the other problem that the democrats have the democrats i should say have outside of just having a shitty platform is that they also have shitty candidates it's i, fuck, oh, it's I, so I mean true. i, I oh. I'm, I'm writing an article right now about the real reason that hillary clinton lost and it's because she's hillary clinton you know i mean <laughs> she's basically has all the baggage of bill clinton but none of the charisma or personality and you know i i know she would made a fine president I mean, I I can say that with relative certainty, but she's not a likable person, so she lost. But you know, I digress. Yeah, so I want to um, want to get back to <laughs> fake news. 
And so I have a question for both of you. Should we regulate fake news? Should we regulate propaganda? Should we regulate slanted news? News that promulgates lies to convince people um, or to rally the base when it's blatantly wrong or incorrect? Um, should we regulate masses amounts of disinformation that are designed just to wear people down? Should we regulate all of this? Well, I, I think one of the areas that we definitely can and have to regulate is the automation of fake news. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is all these bots that they have out there that will you know spam 80,000 responses to a, a post or, or to a survey and, and these types of things, like what happened after some of the debates between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. You have to regulate that stuff. You have to stop that because that is in itself perverting the system. It's perverting people's perception on who's winning and who's losing and these types of things. So in terms of the automated responses, you, you have to regulate that. I'm, I mean I'm a big proponent of government getting involved in regulating areas of our of our democratic system where they're being perverted by outside forces. I'm also a big proponent of the government regulating money in politics to a huge extent. So I I mean I think those two areas are kind of linked because this fake news uh machine that the the right had on this last election whether it's the right from Russia or the right from domestic sources um there's a lot of money that goes into that. You know, those people should be hunted down because they're trying to corrupt a government. Uh the people who give money for these types of things they they need to be stopped. The people that get I mean I personally feel like the people who give money to politicians those are bribes and they should be put in jail. I mean that's my opinion. Uh, but that's a whole other topic. But yeah, I, I I think that you you start there because that's the easiest way to do it. Um, it gets more difficult when it comes down to individuals' opinions. But when individuals are using their opinions in conjunction with clearly clearly definable falsehoods, which they know are false, and you can prove that. They need to be prosecuted. They need to be sued. I mean, that's what our legal system's for. People nowadays hate hearing lawyers say there needs to be more lawsuits. But that's the reason the fucking system is here is to to, to do good, to stop people from doing bad things. That's what's called justice. So that's where my position is on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the burden has to fall. Actually, I mean, Matt, you, you I'm with you. I think. In the grand scheme of calling for, you know, federal regulation of um, clearly of bots, right? Of saying, hey, this is not actually a real person, so you must strike their comments from the record, for example. Um, That unfortunately treads dangerously close uh, to the concept of, of uh, um, uh, well, how to say this? I'm with you. I, I like it. But it's, tr- it's tricky because you get to this place where you have to say, well, um, then does the federal government place a burden on Facebook to police comments on Facebook? Um, does that represent an undue burden on the corporate entity of facebook uh does that represent an undue burden on facebook's shareholders to for facebook to divert resources to policing comment feeds right um it's a thorny topic uh i want to say yes because i agree with you that this concept of fake people 
perpetrate uh, uh, promulgating fake news is problematic. I agree that that is in fact problematic. I it become but what is also problematic is this concept that federal regulation should restrict private enterprise um should should place this burden on private enterprise uh, now having um aired that as the devil's advocacy to your point i want to say that for the record i actually completely agree with you and i think regardless of it being an undue burden that's the fucking burden of doing business in america be a fucking ethical business and do yeah. the right goddamn thing. I think Facebook's got the money. But, <laughs> you know, I, I do have to say one other thing is that one of the other areas that we can regulate, so to speak, the election cycle to make fake news less impactful perhaps is to make sure that, A, we educate children that are growing up. I, I know they're doing this in other countries now about fake news and how to hash out the legitimacy of what they're reading. Mm-hmm. But also – to limit the election cycle, we have the longest election cycle in the entire world. Oh, uh, Donald Trump is literally already campaigning for right. his re-election. Well, Donald Trump is that might actually be to not be impeached. So, <laughs> I mean, Do- Donald it's Trump like- likes to campaign because he's a narcissist and he likes to be up in front of twenty thousand morons there screaming his name. You'll brook no argument for me on that point. But actually, no, they're actually, they're not all I'm morons. Right. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. You know, some some people that you know, I, I gotta give Trump supporters this. Some people that voted for him actually believe what I believe is his bullshit, and that's fine. And to, to their to their credit, you know, if you voted for someone and they're only in office 150 days or whatever it's been so far, you know, you're kind of going, damn, give the guy a chance. And I, I, I kind of get that. So some people, it's going to take them a little while to get to the point where it's like, yeah, this guy is kind of a piece of shit. Some people are pretty happy with what he's doing. Which people? Well, I, I mean, which you, people? you're right. Some of his diehard supporters statistically no, are— let, No, let's be real. Which people? Well, I haven't talked to my Trump-supporting friends in the last four or six weeks. But before the last four or six weeks, people were happy with what yeah. he was doing. Which yeah, the, people I had a and Trump, with what? I had a Trump supporter on this podcast who was pretty happy with what I'd he was doing. I'd love to be on, on with a Trump supporter. What? That would be fun. What were they happy with, specifically? Well, okay, so... Um, one of the things that I, I've heard quite a few times and I heard from uh, Len, uh, who was on this, uh, the first episode of this podcast, was um, th- he thinks that Trump is a master um, – what's the word? Um, Bullshit artist? Well, there's that, but that's not what he said. No, um, he's a master strategist that all this chaos, all all the um, the left being up in arms, everyone calling for his impeachment is just – uh, means for him to get done what he wants to get done. It's how he's draining the swamp. It's how he's uh, doing what he wants to do. Um, but <laughs> but what is it that he wants to do? Where, Drain the swamp. But where are the actual observable facts that correspond with that rhetoric? Well, I mean, I think if we got into Trump's good platform, I, we, we'd totally go off the rails because he, yeah, exactly right. he, yeah. he, he, he wants what, – what does he want to do? He wants to cut taxes but balance a budget by increasing spending. And, he, I mean, it, he, he, actually he has an impossible platform. Here's the thing is he actually doesn't want anything. All he just wants – he just wants to be president. 
Actually, I I don't even think he wants that anymore. I mean, well anymore. You, you know, I he mean, he wanted it. He wanted it. For mark sure. my words. As soon as he's out of the office, within a very short period of time, he's going to be divorced because I think they already have the papers. That's drawn amazing. Up. Oh my god! You saw the hand How slap. How do you know? Right? <laughs> you, saw, you saw the hand slap. Right? Okay, okay. I, we get okay. We got to go back to the top to the topic of the podcast. You're here. right. You're right. No. We don't. How do you know that's not <laughs> fake news? No, but I, I mean, well, I, I'll, I'm going I'm to call I'll, fake news I, on this. I, fake news, I right here. I will say this. Uh, th- th- now, there's not evidence to this besides people. I, I've heard in the media that there is unnamed sources and all this. And by the way, unnamed sources are not fake news. Unnamed <laughs> sources. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get right. to that. But you know, if you just look at the evidence that we have, I mean, there, there's a, there's a, a relatively decent amount of evidence that shows that there's trouble in Trump land in terms of their marriage because, I mean, you saw the hand slap. She's obviously pissed off about that. She, Melania wasn't around for weeks and weeks after the Access Hollywood tapes came out. And then, you know, she kind of came out and was the good soldier for a while. She's not really living in the White House at all. I mean, she obviously doesn't want to be around this guy. And let's let's face it, he's pretty disgusting looking. So, you know, she's in it for whatever she's in it for. I, I think if he didn't win, she had already been gone. I'm really excited. She's in it for the fucking green card, bro. Why do you think she married him? <laughs> okay, so well, Matt, she I'm, needs it now with Trump. In I'm office. really excited that you sent all that because now I get to accuse you of engaging in motivated reasoning, and I get to accuse you of falling for the fake news on the left. Uh, it's it's. Um, you sound just like uh, someone on the right, someone reading Breitbart, who's putting you know one and one together and getting five. No, no, no. See, th- th- this is why it's different. Let me defend myself. <laughs> And this is why it's different because I'm not saying that I know for certain that they're getting divorced. I'm not saying neither, neither are they necessarily. No, they, but they are. But they are. They're saying that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex trafficking operation out of a you know fucking pizzeria in Washington D.C. They're no. not saying I believe it, there's evidence to this and these are the reasons why. They're just saying <laughs> Hillary Clinton's doing this, and you know, I, what, despite what, in the, fact, despite evidence, flagrantly despite. All evidence to the contrary. Right. So I mean, but I, I believe that it must be I, true. I think there's a. I think there's an important distinction here to make, and I'm I'm glad you called me out on this, as you said. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I I think it's important to say this is because there's a difference between speculation. If you admit that we're speculating here, of course we're speculating. But you can say we're speculating here, but what does it look like? This whole conversation about the Russia investigation right now that is ripe with speculation, right? There's a lot of things that are going to turn out to not be true. Maybe Trump's PP party in Russia, you know, when he went there and whatever year it was, 2014, I don't remember what they said. Maybe that's going to turn out to be bullshit. Maybe it's going to be true. But, you know, there's speculation about a lot of these things. But where there's smoke, there's fire, you know? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is – it's more – of motivated reasoning right there is saying where there's smoke there's fire this is this i mean just go go to reddit go to go to the comment sections on breitbart go to these places this is you're literally saying what they're saying where there's smoke there's fire where you know these things add up we're just speculating that this is happening of course there isn't proof you know you're literally doing what you're no. accusing these people of doing no 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 i i i have to say that i'm not and this is the reason is because when you read the fake news articles they're stating it as fact. I'm not saying Are that... Are you reading the fake news articles? Yes. I, I've read plenty of those because I've been for them by family. And I go, they go, did you know that Hillary Clinton is, you know, during the election, Hillary Clinton is not for um, homeschooled kids and she's going to destroy everything because uh, my, my nieces are homeschooled. 
And I go, God, what? I wish she would have. Fuck, are you kidding me? Homeschooling is a plague on America. Well, Let's be real. I, I don't think it is, but I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Unequivocally, actually. I, I, I'm, I'm, there, there's legitimate reasons why some kids are homeschooled. I'm not going to get into that. There but, are none. I will battle you on no, this if you I, want I, to. I will battle you also. But getting back to the point is that, you know, you, you can't. Fake news is where you're stating things that are clearly erroneous, not factual, and saying that they're. These things are fact, and therefore this is a conclusion. I'm saying no, not in this. Uh, I mean, that's one. It's a narrow definition. But when you're when you're looking through all the 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 right wing media, for lack of a better reference point, um, so much of it is that it's not saying, "Oh, this is definitely happening." Oh, this is definitely going on. It's saying stuff exactly like that. It's like, "Oh, didn't Soros?" give clinton this money well we don't know for sure but it certainly looks that way oh didn't he pay for all these protesters you know i i well well see okay see it, it's important that therefore going going forward we we make a definition of what fake news is because if you make it that broad what i just said about donald trump and melania right mm-hmm. that means that the inquirer and star magazine and every tabloid magazine is going to be completely out of business because they speculate about you know in, uh, relationships and in, in TMZ, you know, well, this is what this looks like, and this is what this looks like. Well, it's absolutely yeah. what it is. It is fake news. I'm not saying to legalize it. I'm just saying that's what it is. Right, but you know, fake fake news is something that we have to address in the sense that it's corrupting our political system. You know, that, I mean, saying saying that it looks like there's trouble in Trump and Melania's uh, marriage. I, I I think there's evidence to that. I mean, I mean, and. and, and Reasonable people can disagree with that. Reasonable people can say, no, there's not. That's bullshit. You know, she was just pissed off him. That's why she slapped his hand away on the red carpet in a foreign country. Well, has your wife ever been that pissed off at you that she didn't want to hold your hand? Actually, no. I'm kind of lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> my wife has. <laughs> Same here. However, my wife did not sign up for the job of being first lady. That's true. Uh, I, the I fact just, that she is willing to publicly embarrass the man speaks volumes about her disdain for his character. I have to agree with him. And that is that is my own speculation. But I am telling you that the observable facts are that she openly and publicly disdains the man. And, and, and I, I think I think this is a good this this news story or fake news story, whatever you want to call. It, I think it's a good example of how you can draw the lines is because you can take things that are observable facts and draw reasonable conclusions from them and be wrong and still have that not be fake news. But if you're taking things that are not observable facts, but things you just clearly made up to purposely harm others, that's, there's a big difference there. And okay. I know you don't like that. Okay. Okay. No, there's something. Okay. You're onto something here. So, um, so conspiracy theorizing, is not fake news, but making stuff up and publishing it, just making stuff up out of the blue is fake news. Is that what you're saying? Well, well okay. Yes. Like, like I, I would agree okay. with that because take Bigfoot, you know, you're talking about conspiracy theory, you know, you know, a lot of people subscribe to this. A lot of people don't. If you're the person that's going out in the big Bigfoot wooden shoes and making tracks in the mud and then taking pictures of the tracks and plaster casts and then putting a news story out, yeah, that's fake news. If you found the track, whether it's legitimate or not, and you talked about it and you're maybe an advocate where, hey, I'm a cryptozoologist and I think Bigfoot's out there, 
that's not fake news. I mean, you're you're trying to follow evidence. If if you're, I think if you're acting rationally and you're following observable evidence, then I I, I think you are fairly safe. Th- then drawing conclusions which are later proved to be erroneous is not malice of forethought. No, it's not exactly. Okay. However, okay. if you are purposefully spreading misinformation, you can easily and verifiably attribute malice of forethought. Take, okay. Take the piece of shit Sean Hannity. <laughs> he knows the news story is false. How do he, you know that? How do you know he knows? He he knows because the family and everyone – it was debunked 10 days before he finally started taking it off the air. So what if someone else debunked it? That doesn't mean he knew. <laughs> He's stupid, you're but mean, I don't think... You mean to tell me that a man who works for... You misinformed. Mean to, you mean to tell me that... Exactly. He might be stupid, but he's not misinformed. You mean to tell me that a man who is the flagship anchor of the most well-funded news organization in America did not have ample information of the evidence directly contradicting his statements on air? Great. Well, we're talking about something that's called motivated reasoning. Okay. So, and it's... People are always confronted with evidence that um, that disproves what they believe, and it takes them weeks or months or years or never to accept that evidence. And are you saying then that someone who engages in that, who is confronted with evidence that disproves what they think, and they don't believe it, they're still engaging in fake news? Well, I, no, I, I'm. That's a fucking moral failing, Evan. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, okay. You know, there there are people that are relativists in life, and they, you know, they, they they don't want to see truth as anything. But when there's evidence to something, yes, you you have to accept rational evidence. You know, I mean, things can be disputed that you can say, well, you know, I I don't see enough evidence to prove the contrary to what my point is. But when you're Donald Trump and you're trying to be a birther, and you know, like. 2014 then yeah you're just a piece of shit okay okay but how do you differentiate how do you differentiate a between someone standard yeah between someone who the is... fucking scientific method evan no okay <laughs> let, uh, well okay tell me how let me finish with my question how do you differentiate with someone who has has seen the evidence and says i can't i'm not ready to believe that and they go on with their belief and someone who's saying no, I'm just spreading lies for my own personal gain and for the personal well, gain of the people I agree with politically. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think that is a really good question. I, I think that would be something that, you know, I, I would tackle it from a legal perspective where, it you know, it was something that would be hashed out by the facts. But, you know, I think you apply a rational person standard. You know, what would a rational person in this situation do? You know, and now I understand that in politics, we're dealing with many, many unrational people. But, you know. Is it? Are they objectively being rational? Are they subjectively being rational in their per- particular situation? But we're you talking know. about beliefs. Beliefs can be a lot of things. Someone can rationally say, someone that we can consider rational may believe in God. Yet someone that we can consider rational may not believe in God. Someone may believe in Allah. Someone may believe that. You know, where would you, where do we draw the line on rationality? Well, because- there are a whole bunch of beliefs that. What a, ran, a regular person on the street would consider rational that are conflicting. I, I, I think that's an important distinction, and I think it comes down to there's a big difference between a person's belief system, which facts are filtered through, and facts themselves. Facts themselves lead to a logical conclusion, right? If not you're not necessarily, well, they, they do. You know, if, if 
2 plus 2 equals 4. 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 27. At two, 27 is what some people are coming up with in terms of some of these stories. Well, to be fair, though, you're, you just pointed out an extremely arbitrary distinction. 2 plus 2 only equals 4 because we have decided that 2 and 2 sum to 4. In fact, there's an old mathematician's uh, uh, joke that 2 plus 2 equals 5 for sufficiently large quantities of 2. <laughs> yes. So you, you, I'm just throwing right. it out there, Matt, that right. the kind of conclusion that you're drawing, that I hear you and I'm with you that, in fact, that... If you can take a general consensus of the observable facts that present that and draw a through line from the evidence to a conclusion that reasonable people should be able to change their opinions. And you guys are throwing around, around the word belief, but what you really mean is people's opinions. Okay. Beliefs are just firmly held opinions. Beliefs are just opinions that you're reticent to change. Um, I agree with you, Matt. There are observable facts that can be observed by a general consensus of the population. And when you take them together, they can cause rational people to change their opinions. People that refuse to change their opinions, despite a, an overwhelming quantity of evidence that contrasts their opinion, as I pointed out before, as I stated before, Evan, at least, are experiencing a failing of character. Okay. Right. Now, 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 let me say one other thing, though. And I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but I think it's important to get back to the idea that the problem with fake news is the people and the entities and the systems like the democratic system in our country that it harms. People can have fake news all they want if it doesn't harm anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit what you – you know. You can say that Elvis is still alive. That's fine. But if you say Elvis was still alive until Hillary Clinton killed him – then that's a problem, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because she just lost all the Elvis lover vote, you know, or so you, you, you get what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we the, the problem with fake news is the people it harms, the, the harm that it does. And if it's not doing any harm, then that's fine. And and it's important to say that, I think, because it narrows the focus on what we need to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. OK, that's um, that's interesting. I'm not sure that it really does. I mean, if you're only talking in a political sense, yes, but there's a lot of fake news that you could say harms other people when, you know, even just looking at tabloids. Um, but I'm not saying just in a political sense, I'm okay. saying harm period, whether it's individuals, celebrities. I mean, well, so, so fake far... news, fake news for, I just want to say this fake news. The biggest harm that's going on right now is the fake news surrounding climate change. I mean, that is probably going to be the greatest harm we experience from fake news. If it continues as it goes. Okay, so uh, well, and insofar as fake, well, here's the thing. I'm going to make the case that fake news actually did materially harm a large swath of people. Insofar as fake news contributed to the election of Donald J. Trump, and insofar as Donald J. Trump has uh, summarily pursued an agenda that denies the constitutional rights of people living in America. Be they citizens or not, the Constitution does actually protect them, and the scholarship of the time at the writing of the Constitution supports this. The people living in America are under the are are afforded the rights of Americans. End of story. Period. Full stop. And whether or not they are citizens, the fact that Donald J. Trump has 
been elected because of fake news and is now pursuing a yes open that beer for me evan uh, and is now pursuing an agenda which aggressively deports and breaks up families and so forth and blah, blah 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 fake news has in fact materially harmed a significant percentage of population living in america well I, and I, to I mean, that end the well, perpetrators I mean, of the perpetrators of said fake news are as morally and legally in my view, culpable as Donald J. Trump himself. You're obviously talking about, you know, his, his immigration policy and things like that, or, you know, at least in part the immigration policy. And, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking about fucking ice raids that are rounding up people that have done no wrong. Right. And, and and there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, 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 I mean, we're going to get into immigration really fast, I guess, but you know, that there is a problem in our country in the sense that Democrats are wrong when they say that, no immigrants are taking jobs that America just want because that's bullshit. That's a complete lie that the Democrats are saying. But it, it's also despicable the way that the Trump administration is going about enforcing the immigration laws at this point. It's ridiculous. It's not productive, and it will never work because people are still employing immigrants. I mean as long as the jobs are there, eventually they're going to come. So, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense that what he's doing is despicable, but you know, I, I don't know if saying that, well, is my opinion that these immigrants are caustic to America and all need to go. I don't know if that's fake news. That that's opinion, you know, because he's taking facts that there's immigrants in this country that are have jobs, and he's drawing conclusions from them which I think are bullshit. But I don't know if that's necessary fake news because. I mean, he's taken a fact and he's just coming up with a bullshit conclusion. You know, th- th- that's where I think this gets difficult is where do you draw the line for fake news? Okay, so I want to – that's an interesting question, and I want to take us to a place we were at um, a little earlier in the conversation. So we were talking about observable fact and how when you uh, – a rational person who sees observ- observable facts um, should come to – I don't know, some sort of conclusion is we're, um, and are you guys with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. So my question for you is what about the political landscape today, or maybe even better about Donald Trump, since you guys get so passionate about Donald Trump, what observable facts do you actually know about him? Observable? Besides his wife's going to divorce him? That's not an observable <laughs> fact. I know. I'm just giving you. Uh, observable fact. He's a narcissist. He's uh, wait, whoa, Okay. Okay. Let's start there. Um, have you given him a psychological test? No. Um, I, does... I, of, of course. Of course I'm kidding. I mean, I, I don't know okay. with absolute certainty. I mean, <laughs> there, there's also a level of fact that you can know with what level of certainty. I mean, I can know with a level of certainty that I'm comfortable with that you look at this guy, his actions, the way he conducts himself, the way he's conducted himself his whole life, that he's most likely a narcissist. But you can say, what's an observable fact about Donald Trump? Okay, he's he's a real estate you know, businessman. Okay, okay. His, his AIDS report, and that's an observable fact, in that multiple anonymous sources from within the White House that observe his behavior on the daily report that he is gaining weight. That he's not sleeping, that he is irritable. His ties but, are getting longer. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with it. <laughs> there is actually amply reported evidence as a, evidence from people who observe him daily 
that his mental state is deteriorating rapidly. Okay, I'm going to call fake news. Um, I wish I had a buzzer. That, but, 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 that but, but, because of the anonymous sources? But see, it, that, that, that's one equivalent. thing you brought up earlier, though, is that just because there's anonymous sources doesn't make mean it fake. it is fake news. I mean, journalists have used anonymous sources for decades and decades and decades, and some of the best journalistic endeavors and, and uh, news pieces have come from that. I mean, look at uh, Watergate. Well, okay, so um, you guys are you're making you're in a way making my point for me. And what I what I wanted to get to was that um, Matt, when you said that um, when you were when you're talking about beliefs and opinions, there are yeah you can see observable facts and then draw conclusions, but there's also the state of people have beliefs and opinions and they filter the observable facts through those. And the examples that you gave me, the first three examples that together you all gave me were, were filtered. They, um, you know, that he was a narcissist. You, you didn't perform a psychological test on him that he's, um, gaining weight or mentally deteriorating in the white house. First, I could say is you don't, you don't know him. So you're relying on anonymous sources. We don't know who these anonymous sources are. We can't, I can't believe in an anonymous source. I don't know. Why not? Well, okay. So well, here's, well, I, I mean, but, but no, but, be but real. Evan, no, but, no, hang on. Okay. Let Evan defend himself. Why not? Because, because I will contend that if you cannot believe in an anonymous source, you are actually insisting on a very solipsistic definition of evidence. Well, the, the reason why I can't is because the use of anonymous sources is, um, is, um, a slippery slope, for lack of a better, uh, for lack of a better word. If the AP can use anonymous sources, um, why can't Breitbart? Okay. If the AP, they do. Fox News reported today that an anonymous source tipped them off that Jared Kushner did not actually try to open a back channel the, the, with. The fucking Russians. Great. I, I, I and do, I, fake news is I, what I'd call them that too. I, I do have to I do have to bring this up though, and it's kind of funny because we're we're talking about anonymous sources and Donald Trump is obviously one of the loudest uh adversaries, I guess you'd say, to fake news. But in his former life as a business person when he was starting out, he would give anonymous tips to the media about his own business empire that was done directly by himself. In, in, in another person's name, who he acted as some type of of uh, he literally invented his own publicist, right? So <laughs> it's it's this whole thing is so circular. It's kind of funny. Well, the, so the reason why I bring this up is because um, it's it's great. You know, anonymous sources are great for for um, producing content that feed into what people want to think. You know, people on the left want to think that Jared Kushner is um, um, corrupt and a scumbag and part of the part of the um, scheme to the, the re- the, to work you, with the Russians. The word that you're looking for is treasonous. That's what we yeah, want to believe. Yeah, there you go. That's what you want to believe. So anonymous sources confirm that. It's like, okay, great. Um, even though... Yeah, most likely, and I'm not going to bet my life on it, but most likely when the AP cites an anonymous source, yeah, that's probably believable. But if the AP, I mean, I can just start citing anonymous sources. If Like, there's well, no... Well, and we can then attribute but, malice but, of forethought because you're clearly making up information. But, but, see, but the thing is that an anonymous source 
in a reputable journalistic publication is never an anonymous source. But it, who they, gets they, to they say who's reputable? Who gets to can, say can, that? Can, can, I, can I make Rep, can I reputable make? journalistic? Let me just throw this out there. Reputable journalistic outlets will, in fact, say a person in a specific position with specific knowledge of these circumstances, based on their history of interaction with the observable parties, who spoke on condition of anonymity. That's not the same as saying, "I heard it on Twitter that Jared Kushner actually didn't." plant that evidence yeah but Didn't i can try just, to open i can just in. copy and paste well, that that wording into my article and, and we can then say bro that's obviously not true because nobody that has that background would have said the things that you said based on all of the other people that have that background that contra that contradict that your statements okay i don't i don't think that stands but i want to hear what matt says okay you know i i think it's important to to parse out the difference between what's a fact in a legal sense and what's a legally provable fact and what is generally accepted as a fact in journalism. I mean, th- these two things are totally different ideas. Uh, you know, you're right that an anonymous source is not going to fly in a legal context, you know, because obviously if you're going to try to prosecute someone for something or you're going to sue someone for money, you're going to want something more than, hey, somebody told me, I can't tell you who, but that this guy's <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. That being said, you know, I, I think one of the problems that we're having with, the anonymous source paradigm in the media now is that unlike 50 years ago, where if journalists started using anonymous sources and those sources turned out to be wrong, it made the journalists look bad. They might get sued. A lot of times they wouldn't because it would be still not malice, right? But people would say, this newspaper is not reliable. We're not going to you know, use them as a reliable source because people acted rationally. I in don't the, think so. N- no, I, I, I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean, you can keep going or, and making your or, point, or, but I don't agree with that example at all. Or they, or they would be fired f- f- from being a journalist at that newspaper. I mean, you can go back and look this up. In the modern media, in the internet, there's so many different outlets, so many people doing everything that you know, if someone gets a, a you know, a source gets it wrong, or say Fox News has an anonymous source, and that news story turns out to be completely false and bullshit. People that follow Fox News are still going to follow Fox News because it lines up with their ideology. And, and and that's my point is that unlike in the past where people went to news outlets to get actual news, and if that news wasn't legitimate, they wouldn't continue to follow it. Today, they go to news outlets to fulfill their predetermined mindset of what the news should be. Great. And I'm going to come out and say that the two, those, so the two examples that we've had so far of uh, Donald Trump losing slowly losing his mind in office and melania thinking he's a piece of crap what what purpose do those do those stories serve those are clickbait they're- oh yeah i mean i mean the, the melania story is just it's fun to think about because i i honestly most of it is because uh, i despise the man those stories are confirming your view they're publishing those i, say I despise them i just they're, dislike they're publishing them those to get your views they're publishing those to get your clicks there's money in being anti-trump and so as matt was pointing out prior to the commodification of news um the uh, in prior to the commodification of news inaccurate reporting could materially damage a newspaper's brand could lead to a precipitous drop in subscribers could 
actually result in newspapers selling fewer copies and newspaper publishers not making as much money. How, I think if they were exposed in the right way. It, ha- right. it happened. Prior to the commodification of news, that was a thing. Well, because now but news is entertainment. It's not news. Bing. Right there. And that's what, why the onus then falls on the new content providers. Facebook, primarily. Twitter, secondarily. Facebook, as much as they would like to deny it, is a media company. And it is the onus actually falls on them. And, the, and by extension, the onus falls on Facebook's readers, Facebook's consumers. We, who like to fucking click on shit on Facebook because digital addiction is a real thing, have to learn to be more responsible about the shit that we click on. You know, I do have to say something because, you know, you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, even though you backed me, what an onerous thing it would be for Facebook or some of these guys to kind of go through all this media and, all you know, everything to make sure that, uh, you know, all these stories are not fake news. But, you know, if you think about it, certain areas of Reddit with their moderators, they do a pretty decent job of keeping some of the shit out. You know, I mean, certain areas, they, they don't let... Uh, they don't let stories from non-legitimate sources into. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. If if, if and, you want to go but have... But that's what leads to the creation of 8chan. That le- that's what leads to the creation of the, p- the Paul board on 4chan, right? And right. that's... And so you're... I mean, as much I'm, as I'm, I'm, as I'm much just, as I I'm just saying there's reasonable... There, if you want to do it, it's not that difficult. As you, much you, as I want to agree with you that the onus should be on the content creators... Uh, 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 no, 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 no. The on the content, on the distributors, right? right? As much as I want to say that the people who own the media channels that we consume should bear some responsibility for regulating the uh, information that they disseminate. Unfortunately, we have seen that that kind that there is a subsect of the population that views that as thought policing and will, in fact, lash out and create antisocial forums that are purposefully derogatory that are they're in fact like intentionally inflaming the reactions of those content creators i mean that's what 4chan exists for that that is the the whole reason that the alt-right exists is because young 20-somethings feel like they have found secret information that is being kept from them and like all of us who then who thought that who grew up going to Sunday school and learned that Jesus was not a real person. Uh, like all of us who grew up believing that our parents were infallible and found out that they had no fucking clue, just like we don't now that we're parents. Um, just like every single teenager who ever rebelled, who ever engaged in antisocial behavior for the sheer joy of saying, fuck you authority. The alt right was born from the concept of thought policing of that, that Facebook should try to stop fake news that we should. And the, therefore as much as I fucking hate libertarians, as much as I want to say, no, shut up, subsume your identity to the state because I am in fact a bleeding heart, full blown leftist. As much as I agree with that mentality, the truth of everyday life is that the more you try to silence people, the more viral they will make that information. But, but see, you know, th- th- there's there's a big difference in between trying to silence people and trying to stop 
harmful propaganda, which is purposefully designed to do harm. I, I mean, uh, yes. I understand yes, it that is, from your perspective, yes, there is. No, no. I, I mean, I think I think from a legitimate logical perspective. Yes, I mean, I agree you, with you. You can take the same set of facts, or same set of facts that you skew in different directions. You can say, well, you know, this color is blue. Well, no, it's not really blue. It's kind of teal. You know, you, you can do that type of thing, and you can come up with. Two totally different directions, two totally different conclusions, and you know, thought policing is saying that you can't hate this person because of your predetermined prejudice. Well, you can hate whoever you want, and you can come up with the conclusion that you hate Barack Obama because he was a black man. And a lot of people in this country did did that. I mean, that's I mean, in my opinion, that's one of the reasons they tried to repeal Obamacare sixty times or sixty seven times, whatever it was. It wasn't because they really hated the bill that much. It's because he was black. I mean, that that's my opinion. I, I mean, and, and I'm a moderate. I mean, I, 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 I that's true though. I, 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 I that's observable reality. But, <laughs> but, but, but I, I mean, that that's taking a fact and coming to a conclusion that may or may not be true. Right, they obviously hated Obama. Why they hated Obama, you can come up with a- a- any number of reasons. But I mean, it, it's also fairly observable to a lesser extent than saying they hated him because he was black. That they wanted to repeal Obamacare because they hated Obama for whatever reason. You know, I mean, there's different levels of this. Or if you're on the right, they wanted to repeal Obamacare because it was the worst law ever and it's destroying our country. And that's why we haven't been able to in 150 days come up with a law. That they will actually pass, even though they control all levels of government. All right. Great. So now that we've reached this point, I want to totally derail your trains of thoughts. I got one more question before we wrap up. Okay. Oh, are, are we almost done? Yeah, we're, we're wrapping up. Okay. So, uh, well, I hope we are. This might in, ignite a whole another hour of conversation. We'll see <laughs> once, I, once I ask the question. I hope so. So I, I read an article today um, in prep for this uh, conversation. And I was reading about a city in Jordan, and they have a long history of Muslims and Christians working together. And um, they have a very um, – they have a, uh, a strategy for dealing with ISIS, and that is, is that they don't, they don't let anyone divide them. For them, it's all about building the community and supporting the community regardless of the people's religious beliefs supporting their neighbors and uh, making sure they're taken care of. And that's how they keep ISIS out because ISIS preys upon the divisions and uh, exploits the divisions. And I thought that was a really interesting idea that maybe that is, maybe that is the antidote to all this media and all this propaganda and all the things that we're experiencing in our daily lives when we, when we read the news that are, ultimately, in my opinion, designed to drive us apart. You know, whether or not you agree with what's on Breitbart or on Palmer Report or on, you know, all or in mass media or in the Federalist Papers, whether you not whether or not you agree with that stuff, a lot of it is pushing us apart. I wanted to know what you think of that. Hmm. Well, you know what, Evan, I'm actually going to throw that back at you because what we are seeing in America is there is actually increasing tribalism. And we are seeing that people are more and more concerned about what's happening only to them and their neighbors and their people that they know and the people that maybe they are in a, quote, tribe with digitally, 
because increasingly we're separated and forced into isolationism by poor city planning and corporate interests that want us to drive to shopping malls. Um, so what we're seeing is that tribalism is actually on the rise in the U.S. And that is part of the political climate that has led to the rise of this extremely polarizing figure in Donald Trump that led to this um, uh, faction within the GOP that insists on political brinksmanship, uh, which is correspondingly finally pushing the left towards a similar type of political brinksmanship. Uh, so I actually, I do not think that tribalism is the answer. I do not think that saying that, um, you know, it's not about what we believe. It's not about, you know, you can go ahead and be and think what you want about God. And Matt can think what he wants about God. And I can think what I want about God. But because we all live on the same street, we're actually all in this shit together. Um, I don't think that's actually the case because that just leads to us saying all of us on this street are in the same shit together. But all of those people on that street over there, fuck them. Well, and that's not the case. Okay. Well, well I, I, I think one of the problems. I mean, so you're basically relating, you know, this this story that you read to the divisions in America today, if I'm hearing you correctly. And, yeah, in a way, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I I'm more I interested in that strategy. In, in the strategy of we're all in it together, well, of building community to stop d d political divisions like what we're experiencing today. Well, see, to me, it would be how do we build community? You know, for a long time, we, you know, historically, people can look back and they, like we always do, say, well, back when I was a kid, we had community. Back when I was a kid, it was better. And, and, and maybe for some people it was better, and for some people it was a hell of a lot worse. But one of the things that we have lost is that we used to have a shared set of values, like we would value certain things like liberty, justice, opportunity, equality. You know, our politicians, especially people like Donald Trump, don't really talk about these things. You know, because these are things, I mean, these general terms which can mean one thing to you and one thing to me still have value. And that, I mean, I think what we need to do more of is say, kind of like what these people in the story I, I'm assuming are doing is, we we value our community. We value peace and prosperity for our children. You know that you come together on certain terms that you can agree with. Our two political parties right now are so far apart, and it's both of their faults to a point. I mean, you look at the Republican Party. The Republican Party has said for decades now that government is the problem. Well, to me, that's not the problem because last I checked, we have a government of the people, by the people, for the people. So. If government's the problem, then people are the problem, and I'm refusing to accept that that's the case. If government's the problem, we need to fix the fucking problem and then create a better government. And I, I think that's the point. So I think the Republicans are, are corrosive with that. I think the Democrats are corrosive because they create policies that don't include huge sections of population, and they focus on certain small groups that, yes, need protection. Yes, they need have equal rights everyone regardless of race sex gender identity or what have you should have equal and and similar rights to everyone else but you know you have to have everyone feel like they're included and that's one of the errors that the democrat party has made so my point is is that there's lots of stuff we can do to come together but you can't just say we need to come together you need to fucking do something to bring people together and i think you do that by 
bringing up the values that we shared and doing things that are commensurate with those values. Great. All right. You have more to say about that, Marshall? No, I don't. I thought that I did, but I don't. Okay. So on that, I'm going to, I'm going to end the show. Um, you know, I brought all this up just to get you all talking and to, um, see what everyone had to say. And I hope everyone listening, um, didn't agree. And, uh, I hope you all thought about, you know, the issues that we all, uh, that we covered today. Um, and, um, so let's say our goodbyes. So Matt, um, you have a website that you're blogging. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, my my blog, I mean, I'm kind of a political moderate, I would say, but you know, I I'm like I said before, I am a registered democrat. My website is every way you look at it, you lose.com. So, if uh people want to go check that out, go check that out because we we focus mostly on the fact that whether you're a democrat or a republican right now, you're you're going to lose because everybody's pretty much bought and paid for by corporations and other special interest groups through the money they get through campaigns. So it's kind of bringing attention to that and the failings of our government and how we can fix it. All right. Do you want people to follow you on Twitter too? No. All right. How about you, Marshall? Hater. Hater. Matt is a I, I, hater. I, I'm on Twitter, but you know it's, you should I'm, be. I'm more long-winded, so I need something more than 140 characters. Man. You got to learn, son. It's about the power of the thread. It's at Marshall Bringle. If you want to follow me on Twitter, there's two L's, and my name is last name is hard to spell, so. I defy you to figure out how to follow me. But if you're interested, I actually don't post much on Twitter about my political opinions um, because I'm afraid of people knowing them. <laughs> and it's only through Evan's wiles of our long, 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 long standing relationship that I came on here to talk about them in public. But uh, yeah, it's at Marshall Bringle if you really, really want to hate on me on Twitter. <laughs> all right. And, um, uh, just want to let you all know that, um, unlike the last episode, you can actually, uh, check out my blood now, a blog now at evanstruth.com. Uh, Wait, we can check out your blood at evanstruth.com blog. You put up your phenotype. Uh, we could do that too. That would be an interesting I'm o -pause. Uh, segment. Um, I'm O-pause. All right. If anybody um, needs to give me a transfusion. And you probably know that you can follow me on Twitter, evanstruth there at well, as well. And, um, um, heck, um. If you're listening to this, you know where to find the podcast. It's still on notlg.com, um, and you can always find it on iTunes at Night of the Living Geeks. All right. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thanks again to everyone at Night of the Living Geeks and John Pingle for making this happen when I said I wanted to do it, and you said yes. Um, and good day. of the living peak.